Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. So far in our series, we've taken a look at the early life of Saul. We've seen his uh, early time in Judaism, the way that he grew up in Tarsus and then in the city of Jerusalem. And last time we looked at the stoning of Stephen and its impact on the life of Saul, who gave approval to what was happening. And he uh, not only gave his consent, he held on to uh, the cloaks of the people who were stoning Stephen. And as a result of that, he was uh, breathing murderous threats, as we'll see at the beginning of uh, chapter 9, against the church and against those who would follow uh, the Lord Jesus. Now we turn to Acts chapter 9. And in chapter 9, everything is going to change for this individual, for Saul. Everything he thinks he knows Everything he thought he believed about the God of Israel is going to be challenged and confronted, and he is going to have to make a choice as a result of what we see taking place in Acts chapter 9. I cannot stress enough how significant this chapter is for the life and ministry and writings of Paul. It comes out over and over again. This experience that he has with the risen Jesus influences how he thinks about uh, his entire world and how he lives his life as a result of it. So I want to read the early verses of Acts chapter 9 and talk about some of these as we go. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. After chapter 8 and verse 3, we're given information about Philip and the spread of the gospel to Samaria and Ethiopia. The, the gospel of Jesus is extending now beyond Jerusalem and Judea into Samaria and down as far south as Ethiopia, which in some times was thought of as sort of the uh, southern extent of the world. 
This shows that even as the Jewish leaders meant the dispersion of the church for evil, God used it for good to advance the gospel of Jesus throughout Judea and Samaria. And now, at the beginning of chapter 9, we come into contact with Saul again. And here we see these set of verses containing events on the road to Damascus that are so formative for his theology, his mission, and his life. Now, Saul's purpose in going to Damascus was to persecute believers in Jesus Christ. He was breathing out murder and threats against these individuals. Why was he so uh, devout and so intent on persecuting the church? Well, remember, if we go back to the end of Acts chapter 7 with the stoning of Stephen, the Jews believed that Stephen was blaspheming the God of Israel, that he was spreading lies and deceit about the one true God. That's what Saul believed. That's what he thought was taking place with the followers of Jesus, that they were misguided, that they were heretical, that they did not properly understand the law and the prophets and the writings of ancient Israel. And so he's going out of his way to persecute Christians but now he's not content to stay within the sphere of Jerusalem. He knows that many of them have fled, and he's trying to pursue them to the places where they have fled. And one of those sites is the northern city of Damascus in the region of Syria. The letters that he asks for from the high priest probably would introduce him to the leaders of the synagogues in Damascus, with the authority and position that came along with the high priest. His desire was to imprison believers, to silence them. Now, there's something very important in verse 1 that we should not pass by. Verse 2, he was looking for any belonging to the way. This was the way they talked about believers in Christ at this time. They were uh, followers of Jesus. It was a path that they followed in their lives. This was the way for them. Uh, now, I think Luke is playing on this word a little bit because in verse 3 he says, Now, as he went on his way, Saul was on his own path. He was following his own direction in life when he thought he was following the God of Israel, but soon he will become a follower of the way, of Christ's way. Now, light appears from heaven in verse 3. Saul falls to the ground, and he hears the words uh, from heaven, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you look at some of the appearances of God in the Old Testament, what you find is there is this double uh, name call. Uh, Saul, Saul, you have uh, Moses' name repeated. Moses, Moses, Abraham, Abraham, in some of these Old Testament passages where the Lord appears to these individuals. Saul would not have mistaken this. He would have understand that this was an appearance of the God of Israel to him and that the God of Israel was speaking to him. The God of Israel says to him, why are you persecuting me? This would have been shocking for Saul to hear. And so he asks, who are you, Lord? Who's speaking? He's confused. He's lived every second, every breath of his life 
in, in pursuit of the God of Israel. And now it seems as though the God of Israel is asking him why is he, why he is persecuting him. And it doesn't make sense to him. So he asks, who are you? Now the response to this is going to rock Saul's world permanently. He says, who are you, Lord? And the response given is, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The God of Israel has come to Saul, is revealing himself to him. Saul asks his name, who are you? And the response is, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. How was Saul persecuting Jesus? This is a wonderful point that persecution of Christians is the same as persecution of Christ. To persecute believers in Christ is to persecute Christ himself. This is perhaps the central and starting place of Paul's theology of what he will later talk about as being in Christ. What does it mean that believers are in Christ, were identified with him? We'll talk about this more when we talk about some of Paul's letters that he writes in the future. Now, as a result of this appearance and this vision, uh, the risen Christ says to him, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now, of the men who accompany Saul, they are speechless here. They've heard the voice, but have not seen anyone, we read here. We can picture them standing shocked with their mouths open and their eyes wide. They hear what Paul heard, but didn't see anyone. For Saul himself, he rises up from the ground, and although his eyes are open, he's not able to see, doesn't have any vision. So his entourage leads him by the hand to Damascus, and for three days, he is without sight, and his experience has been so dramatic and traumatic that he does not eat or drink at all, during this time. Now, verses 10 through uh, 19 here. Uh, now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and to the house of Judas. Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. In the second part of the events of the journey to Damascus and the conversion of Saul, the Lord appears to a second individual, a man by the name of Ananias 
And this is not the same man who had been judged in Acts chapter 5 for lying to the Holy Spirit. This is another Ananias. So like a dream, perhaps, he is seeing this vision while he's awake, and he's told to go to a particular street, the street called Straight. And if you visit the city of Damascus today, you can go and see this street to the house of Judas and look for Saul of Tarsus. Now, we are told of Saul that he is praying and that he has seen a vision of Ananias coming to lay hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias does not initially want to obey. He questions his task because of the reputation of Saul and what he's done to the saints at Jerusalem and his authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call on the name of the Lord. The Lord... Christ, in this narrative, responds to Ananias by explaining that Saul is a chosen instrument belonging to the Lord to carry his name to Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. God has particularly chosen Saul. If there's anyone who have, would never have put their trust in Jesus apart from an act of God, it was the Apostle Paul. God appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him. He was not seeking Jesus. Jesus sought him, and Jesus changed his life. So God here says that he is a chosen instrument. He also predicts that Saul is going to suffer greatly for the name of Jesus. The name in view here is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ of Israel. In verses 17 through 19, Ananias obeys the word of the Lord, and he goes to Saul. He enters the house of Judas, where Saul is staying and still blind. And Ananias lays his hands on Saul and miraculously heals his vision. Now, when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't take this as Saul's salvation and his initial indwelling with the Holy Spirit, but rather the impartation, most likely, of a special filling of the Spirit, whereby Saul would serve as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is special gift for his ministry to the church as God's chosen instrument. And something like scales fall from his eyes so that Saul regains his sight. He rises, he's baptized. Baptism is identification with Jesus Christ and with other disciples of Christ the way. Baptism is a public proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ. And so he eats after three days of fasting. He is now a new man, a believer in Jesus Christ. He would later write, if anyone uh, is in Christ, he is a new creation. And Saul was now a new creation. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partners.